Support for WRFA is brought to you in part by listeners like you, who believe in the vital public service WRFA provides through its arts and education programming, as well as through our coverage of local news and public affairs. Plus, your generous support lets us provide a number of volunteer-based programs to be shared on our airwaves. Help keep community radio in Jamestown and Chautauqua County alive by making a contribution today. To make a tax-deductible donation or learn more about becoming a station underwriter, use the donate page on our website, wrfalp.com, or send a check to WRFA Radio, 116 East 3rd Street, Jamestown, New York. Or you can call 716-664-2465. Welcome to the Meet the Candidates Forum for Jamestown City Council Candidates on WRFA. This hour will feature candidates running in Jamestown for the three at-large seats open on City Council, as well as candidates running for Ward 1 and Ward 5. Running at-large are incumbent Randy Diversa on the Republican and Conservative lines, Alyssa Porter on the Democrat and Working Families lines, and incumbent Jeff Russell on the Republican and Conservative lines. And running in Ward 1 is Travis Knight on the Democrat and Working Families lines, and Bill Reynolds is running for Ward 5 on the Republican and Conservative lines. I'm Julia Cisla-Hanley, the Public Affairs Director and Interim General Manager for WRFA. I'm being joined by media partners Terry Frank of Media One Group's WJTN and John D'Agostino of the Jamestown Post-Journal. This event is being broadcast live on 107.9 FM, streaming on WRFALP.com, and streaming on WRFA's YouTube page. Our panel will pose a series of questions to the candidates to discuss. The candidates will be given three minutes each for an opening statement. Afterward, they will have up to 60 seconds to respond to each question. If a candidate runs out of time, our official timekeepers, Ruby Schneider and Abby Monahan, will notify the candidate with the following sound. They will then have 10 seconds to wrap up, at which time I will cut them off. Also, they will be notified when they have 30 seconds remaining on the clock. So let's begin. We've drawn names from a hat before this to determine the opening statements. Jeff Russell will go first, followed by Randy Diversa, Alyssa Porter, Bill Reynolds, and Travis Knight. We'll rotate the starting candidates for each question thereafter. Jeff, you have three minutes for your opening remarks. First, I just want to thank WRFA for hosting this and everyone that's here. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Jeffrey Russell, and for the past four years, I've been humbled and honored to serve as your councilman at large. Four years ago, I stood here and promised to be your voice in city government. Never in our wildest dreams could we have foreseen what was about to unfold, a global pandemic that virtually brought all of our lives to a complete standstill. Many fell ill, and we lost loved ones. To Decisive leadership was required, and it was time for the council to roll up their sleeves and push forward with tenacity. During this challenging time, the city of Jamestown received the American Rescue Plan funds from the federal government, an unprecedented $28 million. While our mayor referred to this money as a gift from Washington, D.C., I understood differently. This was taxpayers' money, and the city government was merely acting as a pass-through. I would like to share with you a few highlights of how the Republican-led council responsibly spent your money. Under the Healthy Community and Neighborhoods, $1.87 million were allocated to the Senior Citizen Home Improvement Program. Additionally, a total of $2.75 million was spent on the Roof, Sewer, Lateral Water Line Replacement Program. This initiative not only provided over 100 new roofs for taxpayers 
homes, but also created job opportunities for local contractors. In the area of public safety, I called for the resolve of long expired union contracts in both police and fire. Both came to fruition. The understaffed police department received funding, enabling them to hire three new police officers. All officers re received new Glock duty pistols. I also championed the purchase of new up-to-date body-worn cameras for officers, and the policy was changed to ensure that all officers, including detectives and supervisors, must wear them. Four new patrol vehicles were acquired. Despite the mayor's denial of the police chief's request for an armored SWAT truck in the budget, I pursued a resolution that passed ensuring its purchase. On the fire safety front, four new firefighters were hired using ARPA funds. A new ambulance was purchased, enabling the city to generate revenue from EMS calls when All-Star is unavailable. Life-saving bailout equipment was purchased for all firefighters after it was not included in the mayor's budget. Much needed repairs in fire stations, including roof repairs, floor renovations, new entry doors, and overhead doors are currently underway. A total amount of $7.75 million was allocated to healthy communities and neighborhoods. It is examples such as these and my unwavering commitment to always be your voice in city government that I ask for your support once again on election day. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Russell. Mr. Diversa, you have three minutes for your remarks. And I also thank the media for having me here tonight. And uh, I just want to say, as an elected council person in the city of Jamestown, I feel that I must exercise due diligence in representing the people in the city. That includes using a common sense approach, including but not limited to financial, safety, and commerce. And any help with local businesses, whether they are currently here or potential incoming businesses. I am always open to new ideas and willing to discuss any concerns that may arise. As the chairperson of the Public Works Committee, in my experience with my 30-year career at the New York State DOT, I take a hands-on approach to our parks and DPW department. I work closely with the DPW director on their projects and am held abreast on their projects, on their progress, including the Washington Street project done by the DOT. I kept the public notified with the progress and the, change that, the changes that were made. The motorists have seen a different pattern, including the bike lanes and the three lanes that are now th there. And also the timing of the traffic lights have been a warming welcome to all of us. Traffic seems to run smoothly now, and in the past two years, there has been more road repair accomplished and paved in the city in the, in the last decade thanks to part in the CHIPS money that was made available to the city, and though the use of ARPA funds, we were able to buy much needed equipment for our workers, which made the department operate more smoothly and safely. And within a year, we were able to purchase equipment and we will be able to utilize the use of liquid de-icing techniques in a limited situations, as we expect the snow and ice removal to be more economical. I also was instrumental with working with the city of Jamestown and the public schools in a partnership within the city DPW acquiring three brand new sidewalk plows, which will help 
with the children and citizens walking in a safer manner when, it's, when the snow piles up. Through the use of ARPA funds and the city budgets, there have been many decisions made by the entire city council on how to spend the funds that we hope to prove beneficial to the city and residents of Jamestown. Thank you, Mr. Diversa. Ms. Porter, your <coughs> comments that you have three minutes for. Thank you. I'd like to begin by thanking WRFA, the Reg Linnae, the Post Journal and Meeting One for hosting this evening's forum. I would also like to express my deep gratitude to the other city council candidates who are here tonight. I recognize the work that you all have put into this election season and appreciate your commitment to serving Jamestown and the democratic process. My name is Alyssa Porter and I'm running for city council because I believe in Jamestown and see the potential of what our city can be. I believe that our future can be one where our city prioritizes public safety, healthy communities, and economic growth. But to make sure this future becomes a reality, we must elect leaders to city council who are willing, ready, and able to move away from a reactionary approach to the work of the legislative branch of city government. We deserve to have public servants who proactively propose solutions write legislation to address barriers to progress and work in partnership across local government. As a general philosophy, I believe that we all have a role to play in creating a strong tomorrow for future generations and a better present for our current neighbors. I am inspired by the passion, dedication, and innovation of our community. I frequently have the pleasure of hearing stories about why people love Jamestown, the future they want for our city the work they're doing to make it happen, and the history they're building upon. City Council has countless opportunities to make it easier for the community to work together for Jamestown's future. They can address antiquated zoning laws, seek funding for economic development and infrastructure improvements, and do the work of community outreach that is so desperately needed to address the barriers of communication between local government and our residents. This spring, while petitioning to be on the ballot, I was welcomed into the living room of a couple who has lived here for decades. They shared stories of their family and friends and childhood memories like walking down the sidewalk while the sparks from the Crescent factory were coming out of the windows. These stories were told with such pride, warmth, and love for this place. I want that for Jamestown's future. I want to be sitting in another couple's home in 20 years and listening to the stories of how proud they are to have been here for our renaissance, to take pride in the work that we accomplish together. The work that is already happening, that we can see when people choose to commit to Jamestown through opening businesses like Art Cloth and Craft, investing in the arts at the Sukanya Berman Dance Company, when Hector continuously find ways, finds ways to improve Hotspot Cafe, and when our city employees work diligently to serve our community day in and day out. As a city council member, I promise to be the leader our community deserves, a dedicated, proactive public servant. Thank you. Thank you, Ms. Porter. Mr. Reynolds, you sure. have three minutes for your remarks. Thank you. Good evening, everyone, and thank you, Julia, for the invitation. And thanks to WRFA Studios, Media One Communication, and the Post Journal for participating and putting this on for our community. And thank you to all of you in the audience. Uh, it's great that we have you here. And more importantly, thank you to all the folks that are listening and watching uh, afar uh, through the internet and radio. Uh, you're all welcome to 
chime in if you could. <laughs> above, uh, um, truth above all else, we've seen that before, uh, the motto of the Post Journal. It's been a model that I have strived to live my whole life by. And uh, I, I'll go a little bit further to say, my name is William Riggs Reynolds III, your Ward 5 Councilman for the city. I'm seeking re-election after first being appointed to council by the mayor. But you can call me Bill, and I will answer to just about anything else. I was born in Jamestown and lived on the north side for a number of years. And yes, I am the great-great-great-grandson of Governor Reuben E. Fenton. Our family's been invested in this community for eight generations. After living in North Harmony for over 30 years and being a town supervisor for seven terms, I'm, I'm also retiring, uh, or had retired as a detective with the Jamestown Police Department after 20 years. And we needed to think about our retirement. My wife Deborah and I decided to move into this wonderful city and bought on the south side in Ward 5, a lovely home in a fine neighborhood. Being new to city government, there's been a learning curve for me, but after almost two years, my time in council has been productive and rewarding. I've had the good fortune to assist constituents with various issues, concerns, suggestions, and the like. I enjoy doing their bidding for them and getting results. I think that's a key, that we get some proactive re results. And in closing, I'd like to say I have a sincere heart for the people of this fine city and that my glass is always half full. And I want to thank you all for your support in this endeavor as I try to secure a, another term as your Ward 5 Councilman. Thank you, Mr. Reynolds. Mr. Knight, you have three minutes for your remarks. Yes. Um, I would like to thank uh, WRFA, Regulate Postal Journal, for inviting me to this forum this evening. I am Travis Knight. I am a candidate running for City Council Ward 1. I was born and raised in Jamestown. I am a Jamestown High School graduate. I was involved in sports programs in Jamestown High School. While attending high school and participating in sports, I learned how to be a team player. I worked for quality markets for 18 years and learned a multiple multitude of skills, especially how to problem solve and to stretch a dollar to, and to raise a family. I wanted more than retail employment, so I decided to pursue my dreams of becoming an educator. I graduated from Jamestown Community College, Sweeney Fredonia, and Mercyhurst College. I've been in education for 20 years. Um, I taught at GA um, home and am currently a UPK 4 teacher in Jamestown Public Schools at uh, MJ Fletcher Elementary School. I have a pulse on the community through the school system and working with students and families. I will bring my knowledge of education with me to the council. I am connected to my neighborhood at uh, MJ Fletcher along with my Ward 1 neighbors. I look forward to representing Jamestown. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Knight. So we'll move along to our first question, and this is the only question that was provided to candidates ahead of time, and that question is, what are the top issues or challenges facing the city of Jamestown? And we will be begin with Mr. DeVersa. Thank you. Well, we have several issues, issues that are at the top of my list facing Jamestown. One of the biggest is the illegal drugs that have come into the county and the city of Jamestown. And with the manner 
of which fentanyl is used is very deadly or dangerous. Being as I come from a police family, I have thrown my full support to the Jamestown Police Department for any equipment or manpower that has been needed. And we as, as the council did acquire. And through the help of the new position of the public nuisance officer and the number of illegal guns that have been taken off the streets, I think that we are gaining some great headway. This summer, the police department and the Department of Development held several give programs, meetings, and initiatives. It was a grant that the city achieved, and many people spoke about being aware in their neighborhoods and talking with their neighbors about any suspicious behavior, especially to the police department, if they see any. Thank you, Mr. Diversa. Your time is up. Okay. So, Ms. Porter, you have 60 seconds to ask, answer the question, what are the top Ill issues or challenges facing the city of Jamestown? There are a number of challenges facing the city of Jamestown, like many cities across the country. But when I reflect on those that impact the greatest number of residents across all ages, the housing crisis rises to the top for me. It is also one of the more complex challenges, as it encompasses everything from addressing the high rate of lead poisoning experienced by our children to demolishing unsalvageable and unsafe structures. To speak to my background for a moment, I'm prepared for the complexity of this challenge because I have worked in city government. And most specifically, prior to moving to Jamestown, I worked in a recreation department that was also responsible for demolishing houses. So I understand the cost, time, and barriers that demolition requires. I understand that as we look to processes like budgeting and allocation of resources, we have to consider more than the dollar amount. We have to think about things like the hurdles that get in the way of demolishing houses, the fact that a single emergency demolition can drain our demolition budget, and that we have to consider the capacity of our current workforce. And I'm willing and ready and very able to address those challenges. Thank you, Ms. Porter. Mr. Reynolds, you have 60 seconds for your reply to the question of what are the top issues or challenges facing the city of Jamestown? I've chose two things uh, initially in that trying to answer that question, and, and they are crime and welfare. At the state level, we all know the impact of these laws and programs that, that, that they have on our community. Bail reform, catch and release, and the Cadillac welfare programs that have created a society that has huge ramifications for us. But at the state level, we can only fight for big time reform regarding crime and welfare. At the local level, you can say we have made inroads in addressing the quality of life issues. Now getting some traction regarding demolition of properties for a better Jamestown in recent meetings. We need to be more proactive and we need to be on the same page to get things done and move forward with some of the good initiatives that are before us. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Reynolds. Uh, Mr. Knight, you have 60 seconds for your response on what are the top issues or challenges facing the city of Jamestown? Well, in one one, as I knock on doors and I talk to people and I ask them, um, what are the, some of the things they um, want um, improved in Jamestown and and also you know my recurring theme I can read is uh, you know the sidewalks curbs overgrown trees and uh, de 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 uh, dilapidated houses in the neighborhoods I feel we have to uh, take a comprehensive approach to uh, address these issues if there are homes that are beyond repair do we tear them down or um, if so can they be saved 
and can be knocked down safely. Um, as a council member, I wanted to continue to work on a plan um, to develop and implement neighborhoods and, and you know, just let people know what's out there to help improve their homes. You know, what are those grant problems, those small grant programs that help people with their homes? You know? um, I must continue to inform our residents um, of these programs. Um, I know residents, you know, you know, we need to help people buy homes. You know, I, I know people who want to buy a house, but they okay. can't. Thank you, Mr. Knight. So going to uh, Mr. Russell, you have 60 seconds for your response on the top issues or challenges facing the city. In my perspective, a crucial issue that remains largely overlooked within, within our municipality surfaced briefly during the recent mayoral debate. It centers around the impending mandates and timelines imposed on our utility, the BPU, and consequently on the city's taxpayers by the state of New York. The 2019 enactment of the Climate Leadership and Community Protection Act has set the stage for eliminating fossil fuels, including natural gas, as early as 2035. Currently, our utility relies on a gas turbine generator for electricity production. However, the act's stringent measures could lead to significant rate hikes, affecting seniors, families, businesses, potentially resulting in catastrophic outcomes. Jamestown, boasting some of the oldest housing stock in the nation, faces pressing questions. Who will fund the comprehensive electrification of our local housing inventory? Who will bear the costs of upgrading electric services in our homes and our businesses? Thank you, Mr. Russell. Thank you very much, Julia. It's great to be here with you. And uh, lady and gentlemen, good evening to you all. The deer population remains a problem in Jamestown and the surrounding area as well. City Council did have a committee at one time to look at the problem and provide some solutions. However, nothing was ever put in place. And there are limits on what can be done. How would you approach that? And I direct that first to Ms. Porter. Thank you. I live in Ward 6, which is where we see a heavy impact of our, our growing deer population. Um, you know, I think there are a multitude of solutions. As you mentioned, there was a committee to address this and, and come up with those. I think this points to a larger issue that we currently have in city government, though, where we do not have um, enough collaboration and unity with our mayor's administration and city council. Not only have has one solution been proposed, but there's been multiple conversations regarding this. It's important to me that in addition to finding those solutions, we're actually able to implement them. We're doing the proactive work that we're not leaving answering every question on the mayor's administration every time these things are coming up. We also need city council members who are willing to seek additional funding to be able to support these programs, because that's going to be a barrier for any solution. Thank you. Councilman Reynolds. Thank you, Terry, for that question. Um, the deer population is a difficult topic. As you know, it's been bantered about for a while now. Uh, I, I'd like to defer to the Department of Environmental Conservation for the the right way the state wants it done. And I know that there's uh, many other uh, suggestions, proper plants that the deer won't eat, don't feed the deer, it's against the law. There are a few things that are in play that people can take advantage of. But uh, 
you 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 eradicate a bunch of deer they're going to come back from the neighboring municipalities and uh, you're it's a difficult topic but i i defer to the department of uh, environmental conservation for what's the proper and best uh best solution mr knight your thoughts about uh what to do about bambi and all the other deer <laughs> well first we realize we live in a forest you know and we're going to have those deers so what's the best approach of help eradicating deer in the city. You know, I'm not an expert at that. I work at Fletcher. Um, I've seen deer come up to my window, you know, like a 12 point. It was, it was really nice. <laughs> so so I, I think we need to, you know, depend on the experts to help us, to come in and help us to defer the deer from our city, to attract them out of our towns. Um, that's a difficult question, but I think we need to partner with some experts to help us with the deer population. Mr. Russell, I wanted to give you a chance now to uh, address this matter. Firstly, I'll recommend, or uh, Tom Nelson did an excellent job uh, with his committee on this. He did his homework, he met with DEC, uh, he held meetings, and it got shot down. I'll, I will be open about my position on this. I am not against a deer hunt, okay? I was a hunter for many, many years. Um, I understand that they need to be harvested. The questions that I asked during this were, I was concerned about liability. Um, and I brought up some issues and no one could answer them for me. I will give you an example. If a deer was, was um, was shot with an arrow deer always run anyone that thinks that a deer is just going to drop and die it doesn't happen that way deer is going to run let's say one of the areas was up behind bergman park let's say a deer is shot with an arrow it runs out into baker street this gentleman hits it with his car and is he going to uh, file litigation against the city because his vehicle's damaged let's say there's personal injury involved what happens at that point um so my issue with that was was litigation what if thank, a deer is injured? Thank you, Mr. And, Russell. Okay. Randy Diversa, I wanted to uh, pose that question to you now. Uh, what about the deer? It's been a very uh, contentious uh, topic. Uh, they, it, it did not, uh, it was not successful just before I came into office. Um, and it would be nice to address it again. Um, there was some cooperation needed from the administration that did not happen. Um, it, I, when I talked to the uh, people, when I go door to door, uh, there's a lot of people that want the deer. Um, I am not against a deer calling at all, but there's a lot of people that do not mind it. There's some people that even feed the deer. And um, I think it needs to be looked at again and have the DEC um, work with us and it, it, there's a there's expensive ways that we can rule out such as sterilization and relocation and we would need the help of the uh, surrounding communities to be involved with it also like bust and thank you all well glad to be here with my media partners wrfa and media one welcome candidates welcome to the home stretch uh, 12 days left as of today the role of city council has come up a few times during this election season. 
Do you view the role of the council as one to advise and consent to actions initiated by the executive branch or to be an active legislative policymaker more akin to the state and federal government? We'll begin with incumbent Bill Reynolds. Thank you for the question. I think that's uh, a twofold um, response that's necessary that we as a council have to participate in both of those uh, areas of representation and legislation. It can't be one or the other. I think it has to be a combined effort that people on both sides of the political aisle deal with the administration, not only as a checks and balance, but also as a group that will bring new fresh ideas. Because in, in my ward and in my um, short time here, a lot of suggestions have come from the constituents. They're not elected officials. They're people in, the, in, in, in our neighborhoods who have great ideas. And we could be their mouthpiece. And I'm sure they call the mayor's office and some of his folks with some of the same concerns and suggestions. But uh, I think the council has to wear, in essence, two hats to answer your question. Mr. Knight. Well, like I guess I, I mean, the way I was raised and, and the jobs I've had, um, I'm offered um, partnering, working together, um, and, you know, you know and what works, um, what doesn't work, um, you know, um, taking advice, like I said, across the, across the, you know, the, the board, um, listening to, um, you know, our residents. So I, I, I think it's working together would be you know what we need very good councilman russell i agree that you, you should you need to wear both hats um i'll give you a couple examples how i've done that i've uh, often i've tried to work in a in a bipartisan uh, fashion i've had conversations with the mayor i throw ideas at him just last week i brought up the um country view estates and and why aren't we uh, marketing that and we need to build houses up there that's just one example he emailed me the following day he wants to meet with me and we want to try to kick that off and and work on that together another example that would be with the health insurance committee um, I talked about that even before I get into office that we needed to revamp health insurance for our retirees we did that we brought in a uh, Medicare Advantage plan to retirees to give them that option offering them free health insurance for five years and as a result the city is saving um, millions of dollars over that time frame and we have retirees that are um, getting free insurance for five years so that's just a couple ways that i've come forward i make phone calls i throw ideas out there i'm not afraid to do that thank you councilman diversa yes and i also believe there has to be a mixture of both um, it, it, things do come before our desk and of course we read the, uh, the, the proposals and we go from there. Um, it, it, when I do have a good idea, again with the sidewalk plows, I went down to see the condition of those plows were deplorable and completely unsafe. They were taking in fumes for the drivers and all of that. And I took the initiative to, to work with the director to say that we've got to do something about this. and for the safety, because I've seen too many kids walking in the road, okay, and cars swerving around them, and that had to end, and that was uh, a complaint constituents had also. But I believe a mixture of both would be re really best, and, and uh, I don't have a problem uh, saying so. Sometimes there's, there's head walls that would stop um, a, a legislature from saying things legally, uh, you know, but uh, legal blockades, but thank you. 
Ms. Porter. Thank you. It will come as no surprise that I would say it's both uh, as well. I would like to say, though, that I, I don't know that advise is exactly the right word for how, how we should work with the mayor's office. It is within partnership. It is through creative problem solving that I think that we, we look at that advisement piece. When it comes to legislation, I think that we have to recognize that writing legislation is what provides us the framework to be able to actually do the good ideas, to be able to get rid of the barriers that currently are in the way for things like economic growth and being able to redevelop our neighborhoods and, and things like that. When we have zoning laws that have been updated since the 1960s, city council has a role and a responsibility to our community to do everything they can within their power and to go above and beyond as elected officials to address those issues, regardless of the method used. Our next question gives you a chance to maybe call a little bit further into uh, what you would do uh, since you are running for a two-year term, which is a relatively short time in politics. What would be an immediate goal of yours if elected or re-elected, and what would you like to do longer term? And we'll go to Mr. Knight first. Yes, thank you. Um, that's a good question. Um, the reason why I'm running is I want to be a, a voice of the people. Yeah, I want to know, know, let them know what's out there. Um, if they have a home that needs uh, repairs or you know the small grants they're offered, um, just to be a voice, uh, and you know that would be that 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 mouthpiece, and, and you know, and, and I can use my education like I talked before. Is like, what can I do? I'm, I'm exposed to a lot of families. You know, if if you're you need something, and I know there's something that you could use. How do I get it to you? Yep. And basically, I just, I just wanted to be that mouthpiece for the people. Mr. Russell, uh, you're shooting for another term here. Uh, <laughs> what's an immediate goal and a longer term one? One great thing that I've seen, uh, not great, but a great increase of that, that has me concerned is some of our mental health and drug addiction issues. Um, you walk around town and you, I've seen a, a massive influx of that just since I retired from the police department. Um, I think we need to do something about that. I, I think as a council and an administration, um, we need to get boots on the ground and we need to start helping these people and providing services to these people. Um, I think we need to get some of our partners involved in that. We can't ignore it. I feel like right now that like we're almost ignoring it. Uh, my wife owns a building in downtown Jamestown near the viaduct, so we see that firsthand. Um, I'm down there late at night, and I see a lot of things going on that really concern me. So I think we need to address those things. Long term, um, I would like to see more development downtown. I think I wrote to the Post Journal, um, as a man, try to go downtown and buy a suit and a tie or clothing. Um, you have to go to Erie to do that. I'd like to see more of that downtown in, in, in long-term development. Mr. Diversa, an immediate goal and a longer-term one. Well, Terry, you're right. Two years is a short time. It seems like you're always campaigning. But, uh, uh, you know, for the, sh for the short term, if we can get some of those buildings um, filled in downtown Jamestown, uh, that would help a lot. Um, and anything that we can work with the DOD uh, to get uh, to attract businesses would be very good. Um, as, as, as far as long term, we have a uh, 
uh, a housing issue in Jamestown where the rents are very high and it seems like the property values have skyrocketed which puts people out of the market. And um, even for the lower income people, um, it's very hard to get some rent. So I think that we really need to put some emphasis on, 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 on housing in at least the medium future. Okay. Um, Ms. Porter, uh, your thoughts. Thank you. Uh, short term, I'd like to open up access and communication to our elected officials and lead by example by implementing regularly scheduled office hours where community members can come and speak with me, getting out into the community. We see a great example in Utica where the mayor leads um, regular quality of life walks with his department heads every week, every month. I'd have to look at the exact details, but things like that where our elected officials are and I would lead by example again um, in the community actually looking at things like where are those sidewalks that need to be fixed instead of waiting for community members to come to them with concerns and complaints. I think it's important that we meet people where they are long term. I hope that leads to building a framework where more people can be involved in supporting our community and building a bright and better future for Jamestown. Mr. Reynolds. Short, long-term goals. Yes. Uh, Short-term, I think we need to tackle the budget for this upcoming year as a council and work on some of the ambiguities and some of the um, questionable line items that we need to go over and see if we can fine-tune that budget and even give more back to our residents. Long-term, uh, my two big things would be uh, redoing the zoning law to allow some tiny houses maybe, and also some smaller, or smaller setbacks so homes can be built on some of these lots. And then the big one, and I don't know how we're gonna afford it, is coming up with a reval for our assessment. So uh, long-term uh, zoning and assessment are on, on my watch to uh, hopefully address in the next two years if I'm reelected. And uh, in short term, to work on the budget and fine tune it. Thank you. Okay, next question. Neighborhoods have been a running theme throughout the campaign. What is one idea you want to pursue over the next two years if elected to address the concerns you have heard while going door to door? We'll begin with Councilman Russell. People are afraid. I've talked to, I've knocked on doors, I've talked to people, and it seems like there's more people that are afraid in our community. They're nervous about the crime that's going on in our, commu in our community. So I think um, that needs to be continue to be addressed by, by the police department. Um, I do have some concerns, obviously, under the New York State bail reform law uh, that was passed by New, York, by New York State that where, no pun intended, police officers are handcuffed now on what they can do with some of these issues of, of, of crime in, in the neighborhood. So I just want people to feel safe again. I've talked to people over and over again. People are nervous about being downtown at night. They run into some of the people that he talked about as far as people that are struggling with, with mental illness or drug addiction. Um, I've talked to business owners that are, are talking about leaving Jamestown. Uh, some of the very names that Miss Porter brought up are, are, are talking about pulling, quietly telling me they're talking about pulling out of Jamestown because some of the individuals that are coming into their businesses in the daytime. Thank you. Councilman DeVersa. Yes, uh, when I talk to the people, um, they, the people want to feel safe, as, as Mr. Russell said. They want to feel safe. And, and, and some of the teenage uh, kids are 
are running rampant uh, daytime and nighttime. And uh, when they uh, when they raise the age of the youth uh, status from 16 to 18, that really hurt as far as when they um, would perform minor crimes. They were they're not held accountable to at least 18. That hurts. The people want to be held um, be feel safe, and the only way. You're really going to do that is by having good morale with the police department, with the bail reform. They feel, like Jeff said, that their their hands are tied, and I think morale could be down. I think they do a great job as it is because I've talked to them. I've rode with the police departments on several occasions, and uh, and I've talked with them, and that has to change. Miss Porter, thank you. Uh, we're hearing a lot about crime and drug addiction and mental health issues and feeling of safety this evening. And I, I want to take this opportunity to talk about the importance of community in addressing these issues, about connecting with our neighbors. We, we feel safest and we feel most supported when we know one another, when we can be welcomed into the neighborhoods that we are entering. When we look at the plan that our Democratic candidates have coordinated on, the Better Housing for All plan, we that's one of the initiatives we're looking at. We're looking at developing community block clubs that bring neighbors together. I think it's important to also mention, I, I refuse to be afraid of our residents. I refuse to be afraid of people that we are being elected to serve who are struggling with things like mental health. My family is deeply impacted by drug addiction. I'm a survivor of domestic violence. These are issues that are important to me because we're talking about all human beings here. We need harm reduction strategies. We need long-term rehab facilities. We don't need fear tactics from the people we have voted and put into office. Thank you. Councilman Rounds. Uh, we've touched on the biggest issue that I've uh, gleaned from my travels in the neighborhoods and talking to folks in, throughout the whole city. And uh, believe it or not, it is juvenile delinquency. There's kids running rampant in our streets day and night and they don't have self-respect. They don't have respect for others or others' property. We have a curfew that's somewhat enforced, not like it should be, but it goes back to a parenting. And we need to start ticketing and arresting, if you would, or bringing parents to court. If they can't raise their kids, we have to do something different. It's a sad day when kids can control us and run the streets the way they do, and it's, uh, it, it, it needs to stop. And I, you know, our hands are tied. <laughs> you can't touch them. You can't grab them. You can't discipline them. And it's it's frustrating that way. So we got to go uh, where we can get most good, and that would be challenging the parents to do a better job. Thank you, Mr. Knight. Repeat the question one more time. The question is: Neighborhoods have been a running theme. What's the theme you're getting door to door, and how will you address it? I guess I, um, I guess I, I mean, in Ward 1, I mean, a lot of people, they complain about the sidewalks. You know, I have one that complain about trees, um, you know, um, homes. Um, I just want to address that and, and let people know what's out there. Um, we need to get more information out to residents about grant opportunities, you know, for home repair, improvement projects. I mean, new and different ways for people to get involved. Um, just be more proactive. And solution and, and be more creative thank you thank you so we are now going to move to closing statements candidates will have uh, up to 60 seconds for the remarks and we will begin with councilmember uh, Randy Diversa yes in the past two years 
we have had to make some difficult decisions, funding who to fund, when to fund. And it's been tough. And it appears that at the, the end results are, are generally good. Uh, I think overall we did fairly well. And our work is not done, and there's always ways to improve and do more. And as we as, as a council have put a lot of emphasis on public safety and the fire department and the police department, and we've made uh, great gains. Um, I believe in uh, keeping close contact with the county and the, and the county executive and legislatures. I think that's very important uh, uh, to work for us to do, as well as, as work with them anytime they f feel like it. And um, I, I just believe that the county and the state should intermix more and work together. Thank you, Mr. Traversa. Um, Ms. Porter, you have uh, 60 seconds for your closing remarks. Thank you. I want to thank everyone again tonight for being here in person, hosting tonight, and giving the opportunity for important dialogue around the issues facing our city. I will close with a loosely uh, quoted piece of wisdom from Leslie Nope from Parks and Recreation, where she talks about um, when, when she hears people complaining, those are people caring loudly at her, is the loose quote. That's why I'm doing this, because we need people in city government that regardless of how our complaints, concerns, ideas come to our elected officials, they're seen as coming with a good faith effort. We want strong connections. We want our residents to feel supported. We want them to feel heard. And we want to make it easy for us to all come together for Jamestown's future. Thank you. Thank you. Councilmember Reynolds, you have 60 seconds for your closing remarks. Thanks for the opportunity to speak to your audience here in a, in a way and to be up here with these fine people who really have a passion for our community. Um, my kids are eighth generation Chautauqua residents and I can tell you that we're all pretty blessed where we live here in western New York to have a city and people that care, people that come out to give their grievances and their suggestions and their blessings, if you would. We really shouldn't be complaining too much for what we have been given. And I hope to give it back some more what it's given my family through the generations. Uh, we, we've really, our glasses always have full. And I think we all should be very grateful that we're residents of this fine city and have a positive outlook rather than a negative one. Thank you. Mr. Knight, you have 60 seconds for your closing remarks. Well, I'm running for city council because, um, like I said, I was born and raised in Jamestown. Um, I saw the, those days where, you know, I played out, you know, outside and my mom called for me to, you know, come home or whatever. I, w I want to bring that back. I want Jamestown to feel safe. I want our residents to look nice, their homes look nice, to take pride in, in Jamestown. When I travel abroad and, you know, oh, I abroad, I should say, you know, North Carolina, um, I see those, 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 those nice homes and things like that, and you, you talk about that. I want to bring those things to Jamestown. You take pride when you drive down Washington Street. I want, you, I want to be part of that, that, that forward thinking for Jamestown, and that's why I'm running for city council. Thank you. Councilmember Russell, you have 60 seconds for your closing remark. 
I didn't prepare a written statement, but I, I just want to say this. I worked for the police department for over two decades. Um, and there, I worked for uh, leaders and supervisors. And I worked for more supervisors than I did leaders. So I know the difference between a leader and a supervisor. Um, I'm running it again because I have some concerns about the diminished leadership that I've seen under this current administration. When I'm hearing about Home Depot bills that aren't being paid and accounts being canceled and that we can't use our Home Depot bill, that's a concern. When I Sherwin-Williams bill is canceled and we can't use our Sherwin-Williams account, that concerns me. When our Otis elevator bill goes unpaid for an entire year and now we're being penalized for that bill not being paid, that concerns me, that's a lack of leadership. When our current administration pits an entire fire union against this council, that's not leadership, that concerns me. Um, when we have employees going to Florida for six weeks, working from the beach and being paid by the taxpayers, that concerns me, that's not leadership. Thank you, I'm Mr. asking Russell. you to vote for leadership in November. Thank you, Mr. Russell. <laughs> so I, I do thank all of the candidates for participating in this discussion tonight. We will be taking a short break now to transition to our second part of the Meet the Candidates Forum with our ward candidates. We'll be back in a moment here on 107.9 FM, WRFALP in Jamestown, New York. <clears throat> Welcome back to the Meet the Candidates Forum for Jamestown City Council candidates on WRFA. This forum will feature City Council Ward 3 candidates, incumbent Regina Brackman on the Democratic and Working Families lines, Robert Reedy II on the Republican and Conservative lines, City Council Ward 4 candidates, incumbent Marie Kruba on the Democratic and Working Families lines, and Joe Paternitti on the Republican and Conservative lines, and City Council Ward 6, incumbent Andrew Faulkner on the Republican and Conservative lines, and Vanessa Weiner on the Democratic and Working Families lines. I'm Julia Cisla Hanley, the Public Affairs Director and Interim General Manager for WRFA, and I'm being joined by media partner Terry Frank of Media One's WJTN. We'll also be sharing questions sent by the Jamestown Post-Journal. This event is being broadcast live on 107.9 FM and streaming on WRFALP.com and streaming on WRFA's YouTube page. Our panel will pose a series of questions to the candidates to discuss. The candidates will be given three minutes each for an opening statement. Afterward, they will have up to 60 seconds to respond to each question. If a candidate runs out of time, our official timekeepers, Ruby Schneider and Abby Monahan, will notify the candidate with the following sound. They will then have 10 seconds to wrap up, at which time I will cut them off. They also will be notified when they have 30 seconds remaining on the clock. So let's begin. We've drawn names from a hat to determine order for opening statements. Regina Brackman will go first, followed by Robert Reedy, Joe Paternitti, Andrew Faulkner, Vanessa Weiner, and Marie Caruba. We'll rotate the starting candidates from each question thereafter. Ms. Brackman, you have three minutes for your opening remarks. All right, good evening, and again, I want to thank um, WRFA and the Media One for this opportunity to, um, to speak um, to the public. Um, I'm Regina Brackman. I'm current Ward 3 representative for um, Jamestown City Council. I was appointed to the council in April of 2021. Um, currently, I serve as on the Housing Committee and the Public Works. And I'm also um, on the board of directors for the um, Board of Public um, Utilities, the BPU, 
where I serve as finance chair. Um, as a council member, I'm in support of all the efforts that have been made to true up the police and fire department as it relates to vehicles and safety equipment, the radios that they need, anything that's going to make them effective in doing their job and that will keep them safe. And I'm also was a supporter of the SAFER grant and the additional eight firefighters that were um, um, hired and as well as the purchase of the new ambulance. So anything related to the public safety um, is something that really is near and dear to my heart. Um, I also was instrumental in the creation of the ARPA program for the senior home repairs um, using the, um, based on the star tax rebate, rebate criteria. It was one of those situations where there were seniors that said they needed assistance, but they didn't have $5,000 to put down to um, match the city. So this program was really key because it based it on the criteria for the STAR program, um, which really helped a lot of the residents out. And based on that, we used like 1.8 million of the ARPA money and was able to do um, over 300 seniors' homes with repairs. So. That was a great thing. I've learned a lot over the last two years, two and a half years being on council, and I'm looking forward um, and learning more and being more of a assistance to the residents. And as I've been hearing tonight, to be that voice of the people so that um, their needs are being addressed. Thank you, Councilmember Brackman. Uh, Mr. Reedy, you have three minutes for your opening remarks. Thank you. Good evening. I want to thank WRFA Media One Post Journal for having us here this evening. My name is Robert Reedy. I'm a Jamestown City resident. I'm a local business owner. I'm also a disabled American veteran with the United States Air Force. I'm running for Ward 3 City Council in the 2023 election. Uh, as a city resident, I'm interested in my uh, community and, on a, and our ongoing concerns. Being a veteran, being serving my country, I'd like to also be the voice and serve our community, serve our city for what's best for our community and our people. As a veteran and business owner, I'm committed to public safety. It's my opinion emergency services need to be better funded and not defunded. Our housing crisis is another major concern within the city. We need to take action to make homeowners and landlords responsible for these properties. Homelessness, condemned houses, and code violations are rampant. Public health is declining. Many city properties have lead issues and mental health has plummeted. I would like to try and turn this issue around. I'd be willing to involve myself in any committees, anything that the city council would want me to do to better this community. Bail reform has led to reduction in enforcement of law. We really need to address this, not only locally, but in Albany as well. Please consider me for this year's election. Let's try for new leadership, new communication in our city, government, and bring our community back to the people. Your vote would be greatly appreciated November 7th. Thank you. Thank you. Mr. Patanetti, you have three minutes for your opening <coughs> remarks. Good evening, and thank everyone for having us here tonight and giving us this open voice, uh, WRFA, Media One, Post Journal, who left, and The Reg for hosting. Uh, first of all, Everybody has a lot of stuff written down. I have a few bullet notes because I'm one that I can speak faster than I can read. <laughs> so with that being said, I am going to just shoot right off the top and say uh, 
I'm basically running on my work ethic, my involvement in the community of Jamestown. I've been employed by SKF, one of the longest standing companies in the area for over 40 years. I've also been employed by the pub for 40 years, proving my commitment to my work ethic and this city in itself. I've also been a proud member of the local UAW at SKF since 1980. I've been elected as a union steward and I've served on that election committee. As far as the community service that I've been involved in, um, I'm a proud member of the Italian American Charity Golf Association, actually currently the longest serving member, 32 years, once again, proving my commitment not only to our cause and, and trying to uh, eradicate cancer, but to the people in the community to make it better because all the money we raise, we, we donate locally. Um, I've served on various committees within that organization and I'm the current director of all of the fundraising initiatives which coincidentally, if those of you who don't know, we've raised $1.7 million uh, over the course of our, our lifetime. I've also volunteered uh, numerous hours in a sport I love, coaching uh, Cal Ripken baseball, Babe Ruth baseball, uh, county levels, local levels, city levels. I've coached travel ball, including my opponent Marie's son for a few years along the way. So uh, that's near and dear to my heart. I've also coached Legion Baseball, which is countywide. As far as uh, boards that I've served on, I have served on the Parks and Rec Commission, currently uh, serving on the Italian American. I have been the past president of the Jamestown Baseball Boosters um, and uh, the past chairman of the Italian American Charity. So all that being said, um, my commitment to the organizations that I serve, uh, the companies that I work for, prove and should prove that my commitment along the way and I'm all in when I join I'm in I might be in for 30 years I don't know but I can guarantee one thing the people of Jamestown are the most important thing to me we've had an opportunity to move my wife and I 25 years ago we believed in this city we stayed we could have both left and went to Philadelphia we stayed because we believed in it we believed in the people we believed in the businesses, which are very important. Thank you. Councilmember Faulkner, you have three minutes for your opening remarks. Thank you. <clears throat> First, I want to say thank you to everybody involved with arranging tonight's discussion, um, all the people in the audience, everybody watching at home. My name is Andrew Faulkner, and I'm the current Ward 6 City Councilman. I was born in Florida and moved to Jamestown when I was 10 years old. I attended Purcell Middle School, followed by Jamestown High School, where I graduated in 2010. I've since completed a five-year apprenticeship program through the IBW Local 106 Union. I've loved Jamestown since the day that we moved here. I was always discouraged in high school when I heard people say that they couldn't wait to graduate and move away because I want everybody to love Jamestown the way that I do. For the past two years, I've had the privilege of serving the community as a member of City Council. During this time, I've worked to make our city a better place for all of our residents. I've backed proposals that promote economic growth, improve housing, support public safety, and enhance the overall quality of life for every citizen. From supporting the allocation of ARPA funding for home upgrades to hiring the nuisance officer, purchasing a second ambulance, an upgraded SWAT vehicle, and supporting the new quality of life ticketing ordinance. But it isn't just about past achievements, it's about our shared future. It's about the vision that we have for our city and the det determination to see it through. I firmly believe that Jamestown has the potential to be a place that everyone can be proud of and enjoy living. I'm running for re-election because I'm committed to this vision for the future. 
I've seen the positive impact that can be made and I'm dedicated to continuing this work. I wanna ensure that our city is known as a place where families can thrive, where businesses can flourish and where every individual can achieve their dreams. I'm not just asking for your vote, I'm asking for your trust. Together, we can create a future that everyone can be proud of. I wanna thank everyone for the continued support and I look forward to working with each and every resident to make the city the best that it can be. Thank you. Ms. Weiner, you have three minutes for your opening remarks. First, I'd like to thank you for WRFA, uh, Media One, The Post Journal, Reg Lanay uh, for organizing this. And to be here along with uh, my peers to talk about our vision for Jamestown, it really is um, an important moment for all of us to come together and really hear what everyone has to say and who they are and what they stand for when it comes to setting the next uh, strategic vision for the city of Jamestown, which is an incredibly important moment for us right now, especially as we emerge with, emerge out of the pandemic and into kind of this new world with, you know, different expectations from our residents, you know, mental health challenges, drug addiction challenges that were exacerbated by a global pandemic, right? So hearing everyone's vision and both the positive and the negative is incredibly helpful, especially as someone coming in, trying to be a new person at a city council and not someone who's been sitting on there uh, is not a, a current city council person. So thank you and thank you to everyone else. Um, I was born and raised in Jamestown. My name is Vanessa Weinert. Um, I was actually raised in Ward 6. So I grew up playing on those streets, going to Willard Park, uh, playing by the reservoir, which I'm not sure if we were actually supposed to do that, but we spent a lot of time there anyways, and really uh, enjoyed moving back to that area and seeing what it is now compared to what it was when I was a child. Those neighborhoods that we played in, you know, we've heard a lot of, we'll continue to hear conversations around public safety and that's not gonna go away. And you know what is the reality of public safety in Jamestown, especially as I allow my child to run around and play, just as my 90s mother allowed me to run around and play. Um, so I'm really looking forward to representing Ward 6 because it is, I'm so proud to be from that ward, um, and I believe it's a great place to raise our family. Jamestown holds a special place in my heart. It's you know, a city rich in history, culture, and potential. But however, you know, like many other cities, especially smaller cities across the country, we're grappling with the same issues around community, people feeling disconnected, around mental health, drug addiction. These are not unique issues to Jamestown, but as a city and as a city government, both executive and at the council level, coming together to address these issues is really paramount to moving forward boldly as a community. And that's really why I'm running. I wanna work for our city and its residents. Um, I ran for city council and won in 2017, and I really wanna finish what I started. You know, I had to step down for deeply personal and tragic reasons, and I was not able to finish what I wanted to do, which was really around housing, you know, youth, looking at, you know, our parks, our recreation, and our housing crisis. You know, safety is so important. But safety also means lead-free home for children, right? That's a really important issue that we're still grappling with. So thank you. Okay, thank you. Councilmember Caruba, you have three minutes for your opening remarks. And I'd like to thank everyone who's here tonight and for all those involved in hosting this event. For those who don't know me, I'm Marie Caruba. I'm the current fourth ward council representative. For a short period of time, I was the council president and served with a majority of women council members, the first in Jamestown's history. I'm very proud of that. We did very well. 
I'm also the executive director of Southwestern Independent Living Center. I moved here in 1983 to take the job as the first and only executive director. I currently manage a staff of nine and we serve people with disabilities throughout the county and especially in Jamestown. And in that capacity, we've advocated for curb cuts and making the community accessible to everyone. Volunteering and serving others has also been my other passion. My legal background, experience as a volunteer mediator, and serving on the boards of the Resource Center, COI, where I've been president of both, Chautauqua County Workforce Investment Board, Community Services Board, BPU, and the Jamestown Community College have all helped me to handle the various calls I receive from residents. Many of the issues are not necessarily handled by the city, but I'm able to connect and refer them to one of the agencies that can better assist in resolving their problems. The work of a council member isn't just attending council meetings. It involves meeting with residents, responding to their calls, problem solving, and advocating for their issues. I have stood up and supported their efforts to prevent a cell tower installation in their residential neighborhood, push for demolition, demolition of dan dangerous homes, including one on Pershing Street where my opponent lives, added street lights, removal of abandoned utility poles when newer poles were installed, push for sidewalk, curb repairs, and landscaping when National Fuels contractors left homeowners with unsafe and unsightly <laughs> conditions. Along with other council members, I supported the project to improve the Third Street sidewalks and restore tree plantings to create a safe and walkable neighborhood. We all, uh, all dreaded seeing the oak trees come down, but it was a dangerous situation. I knew a homeowner who would have been killed had she, not, had she not been in her residence at the time when the tree went right through her kitchen. I get calls from outside my ward because of my reputation for getting things done. I have assisted residents of the Euclid Apartments and the senior high rise on Fifth Street because they know I do what I say and I say what I do. I worked with the previous administration to initiate the 19A program to provide incentives to rehabilitate homes that would be owner-occupied. While this program is slowly getting off the ground, I witnessed the benefits as the program benefited several neighbors who took on properties and invested more funds into improving their homes. If re-elected, I will continue to speak out and advocate as I have done for Ward 4 residents for the past 10 years and anyone who calls me needing help. Thank you. Thank you. We'll move along to our first question, and this is the only question that was provided to candidates ahead of time. And that question is, what are the top issues and challenges facing the city of Jamestown? You have 60 seconds for your response, and we'll begin with Mr. Reedy. Thank you. I think our main concerns in the city is public safety. We have a lot of people that are, like it's been said earlier, scared to go out in the, at night downtown. We have a lot of drug addiction, mental health problems. I think the city council and the community need to get together to basically try to get some kind of help for that when it comes to the mental health when it comes to public safety we need to support the police department and the fire department any public service we need to bring the community together with them services we need to get the community involved without the community and being involved there's no help because the police can't do it on their own they have to have help from the community they have to have the community support you also have problems with housing Housing, DOD, Department of Development, jobs just too much for one department. Needs to be split up. I know it's a problem with lack of staffing. There's a lot of in different reasons with funding and that. But housing and Department of Development is two different goals. I hear a lot of that from people that are concerned with condemned houses. Okay, thank you. Mr. Patanidi, uh, same question. What are the top issues or challenges facing the city of Jamestown? Thank you. 
for the folks that I've been speaking with, a lot of the concern seems to be generated at the homelessness, uh, which in turn leads to a public safety issue, in my opinion. Um, working downtown Jamestown, just one night a week now, uh, as I leave, I see it on a weekly basis, unfortunately. It's very sad. And for us, that has to be deflected back up to the state because ultimately they're the ones responsible through their administration sending a lot of the homeless down our way. And until the state will address it with the local municipalities and address it that way, uh, we're gonna be in the same dilemma for a long, long time. They're gonna exist, uh, which in turn is gonna create a public safety issue, whether it be drugs or violence or anything like that. But again, it has to start at the top with the state and the way they're handling uh, the migration of that in. Thank you. Councilmember Faulkner, uh, your response of what are the top issues or challenges facing the city of Jamestown? Thank you. Uh, the concerns echoed to me by the residents of Ward 6 have all revolved around our daily lives. From the unsightly presence of garbage and debris in our surroundings to neglected lawns that not only create eyesores but also invite pests into the community. <clears throat> the challenges are endless. Neglected vacant homes stand a silent reminder that historically there has been little that the city can do. Then we have the disruptive, disruptive occurrences such as late night fireworks and suspicious, suspicious situations casting shadows on our sense of security. Quality of life issues are one of the most prevalent issues that we have all faced. In response to these issues, we've taken significant steps over the past two years. By appointing a dedicated nuisance police officer, we've tackled crime-related concerns head-on. And additionally, the implementation of a quality-of-life ticketing ordinance has been pivotal in addressing the most prevalent neighborhood issues. While these efforts mark a promising start, we need to recognize that it's imperative to do more. We can't put these concerns in the background. There's always room for improvement. If we stay focused, we can ensure that Jamestown becomes a haven where every resident can take pride in their home and their neighborhood. Thank you. Ms. Weiner, uh, the answer to the question of what are the top issues or challenges facing the city of Jamestown? So I grappled with this question because it's clear what our city is facing. Like many small cities across the country are currently facing housing, aging infrastructure, um, economic development issues, drug addiction, mental health issues. You know, you from this forum, you'd think that we lived in this very dangerous place. And I just don't think that that is true. Not that we don't have our challenges. And I'm not undermining those challenges. But there is a lot of positive, a lot of positive things that are happening in Jamestown right now, because we actually did come out of the pandemic in a very positive place. So these are all challenges that we know. The key lies in crafting a strategic and innovative vision for the city and achieving small victories along the way. So I'm going to flip this question and say we have a branding problem. We have a perspective problem. We, I want to live in a city where people feel proud to say we're from Jamestown, where it's not, oh, I left and came back. I want, I want us to think about Jamestown in a different way, where people rally behind a united council that are working with the mayor to really look at the city's unique charm and potential. And I think that is one of our biggest issues that we face. Thank you. Councilmember Karuma, what is Thanks. the answer to uh, what are the top issues or challenges facing the city of Jamestown? Thank you. As a member of the City Finance Committee, fiscal responsibilities first and foremost on my mind when I consider that the ARPA funding that we receive has helped the city tremendously, but those funds are not permanent going forward. The council will make many difficult decisions to exercise fiscal restraint 
As several former controllers have warned us, we do not have the funds to sustain all the initiatives. The other item is infrastructure issues, especially as it relates to stormwater management, which has been a primary focus of my efforts to assist residents in the fourth ward. I have repeatedly raised this concern as it's caused extensive damage and expense to the homeowners. I have been out on the street with neighbors in the evening after dark, helping them bail out basements, contacting the fire department to also remove water. This issue isn't only uh, affecting the fourth ward, it's affecting many other areas of the city as we saw with a recent flooding event this past summer where cars were almost floating in the water near Tiffany Avenue. Um, so that's it, thank you. Okay, thank you. Council Member uh, Brackman, uh, you have, what is uh, your feeling of what the top issues or challenges are facing the city of Jamestown? Okay, first of all, I would like to tell Vanessa I really like your response. Um, that, that is true, we need to do branding, we need to um, put forth a positive light on the, on the little things that we are accomplishing that's going to take us to the next phase. Um, but the reality of the situation is that people are fearful. That's huge. People are afraid um, to involve the police in anything because they're afraid of retaliation. Um, they're afraid to approach their neighbors about <clears throat> debris that's building up. Nobody wants to be that person. Um, so that's a big thing that I know and that I hear is just a, the public safety. I've gotten calls about the homeless that seem to be camping out in um, vacant areas within the city and people don't feel safe. Um, and you're hearing this thrown around a lot tonight, but the quality of life is just an issue for the people of Jamestown. Thank you. For our next question, and I do promise that Terry Frank will have an opportunity to ask a question tonight, but I'm taking, I'm taking one of his questions first. Uh, the question is, the deer population remains a problem in Jamestown and the general surrounding area. City Council did have a committee at one time to look at the problem and provide some solutions. However, nothing was put into place. And there are limits on what can be done. How would you approach that? And we will start with Mr. Pataniti. Wow, I was kind of concerned that I wasn't going to get this question, but you, you're talking to the deer hunter. Uh, I, as many of you know, I'm, I'm very vocal about the deer situation living on the west side, Bergman side. Um, not only is the population uh, something that needs to be addressed, uh, how you go about that is a very difficult question. I know the past policy that was brought to the council uh, was approved by the DEC, as a matter of fact. But the underlying factor as well has to do with the public safety of what these deer cause. Not only do they do damage to your homes and shrubberies, but they also prevent uh, safe traffic in a lot of cases. Uh, Lyme's disease, I have neighbors across the street and next door, they have five little children all under the age of six. And these deer have a pathway through the back Norton Avenue. Uh, if you've ever known anybody with Lyme's disease, you'll realize how serious it can be, as well as it can affect uh, dogs and whatnot. So as far as, uh, I'm, I'm all for the, getting rid of uh, the deer however we can. Okay, thank you. <laughs> Council Member Faulkner, uh, same question. Uh, what would you do about the deer population issue in Jamestown? So I kind of agree with everybody. Something definitely needs to be done. Um, you'd probably be shocked to find out that when we're going door to door, it's about a 50-50 split of people that want the deer hunted and people that are completely against it. Um, they are causing lots of issues around the ward. Um, 
last year at the bait, I brought up the family that I met, two brothers. They've hit four deer in the last, like, probably seven years now. It was five years last year um, on Willard Avenue going to work in the morning. Um, so there's tons of problems that come with them. Um, we haven't forgotten about it. We still receive phone calls about it. Councilman Diverse and I actually, we're going to spearhead something. We got the city's corporation council involved. He was all on board to help us out and cover all the legalities and the liabilities of it. And then um, 48 hours later, he informed us that he was told he's not allowed to help us with it right now. Um, so it definitely needs to be a collaborative effort between the administration, the departments that are involved, city council, and um, everybody. Because there are other options that aren't really feasible, the birth control, the sterilization, relocation, the, the cost is absurd on all of those. So realistically, the only proper response is um, a responsible hunt in the city. So thank you. Thank you. Uh, Ms. Weiner, uh, how would you uh, deal with the deer population issue in Jamestown? So even before the committee was formed on council, we actually had the DEC here in 2018 to do a community presentation on different ways in which this, this could be addressed. And really the outcome of that, and this was a community presentation, was everything's very expensive and not very effective, right? So you can have these really expensive programs that actually do do something, or you can have these, you know, you can do callings, but they have to be something that happens all the time in order for them to be effective at all because the deer population is, you know, is ever growing as they become more and more happy in their, in their, in their yards full of apples and, and mums. Um, but with that said, you know, listening to the experts, I, you know, I'm not sure what can be done, to be honest. You know, we talked about, you know, we've had these committees, we've listened to the experts, we've done the, you know, we've done the research, you know, Tom Nelson led that, you know, was on that committee and has done the work. We know what, we know what the possibilities are, but having the financial resources and the motivation from our constituents in order to push that forward is some of our biggest challenges as far as addressing their population. Okay, thank you. Uh, Council Member Karuba, how would you handle the deer population issue? I do recall being around in 2018 when the DEC was requested to um, come to the city and talk about the programs. Uh, Monroe County has a program in Irondequoit, and they've had to do it for over 20 years to try to even maintain the population that they currently have with deer. The problem is the more you hunt and the more you shoot, there will be other deer that will come into that same area from outside. This is a statewide problem. We can't, we can't shoot our way out of it in the city. The other issue is that the deer know and mother nature knows best and they will have multiple births which will also end up reproducing the same amount of deer in the area that you're trying to contain them in. So as uh, many people have said, it's very expensive. We don't have all the answers. This is really a statewide issue. We cannot do it in just Jamestown alone. This is going to require a lot of effort by a lot of communities to try to tackle this problem. And I don't believe we have all the answers at this point. Okay, thank you. Councilmember Brackman, uh, how would you deal with the issue of the uh, deer overpopulation in the city? So like what I do, when I go down the street and there's a deer, I turn around and go down another street. <laughs> Just being honest here. <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean, as as they, as been stated here, Tom Nelson had a proposal. Um, there was concerns about safety of the <clears throat> of the community. With they do shoot the deer, what's going to happen with the deer? As Jeff Russell was saying, and then the timing of what they wanted to do, the hunting for the deer could never really work that out to make sure that the public safety wasn't going to be compromised. Um, and as um, Councilman Andrew said, 
it's like a 50-50. Some want the deer taken care of and some don't. Um, I, I think really that we do need to revisit this and, and see what we can do to come up with a, a, a solution for the deer, but they're everywhere. You know, we're, we're more or less now in their neighborhood. Okay. Mr. Reading, uh, how would you handle the issue of deer population in the city? Definitely a problem. I woke up to go to work the other morning and there was a deer standing in my driveway on Lafayette Street. I was like, can you move? I'm trying to go to work and he just stood there. <laughs> I think it is, like everybody said, it's a statewide problem. It's costly. It's a bigger problem than we can handle by ourselves. Um, I'd love to be, if I'm elected on council, I'd love to be on any committee. I have reached out to the DEC numerous times and spoke with Ryan Rockefeller, who has sent me numerous pamphlets, numerous brochures, numerous newsletters on how other areas have handled this. I would be willing to be on any committee if I'm elected to basically assist with that, with the deer population at a higher level. Thank you. I wanted to move on to regional policing as a question. Thank you very much, Julia, for inviting us again. Candidates, uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about this because it's come up from time to time as a way to possibly save money. Lately, though, it's come up because of shortages. We don't have enough officers or enough candidates. What are your thoughts about this? Should we pursue regional policing or stay the way it is in Jamestown? And I'll direct that to Mr. Faulkner first. So I think uh, on paper, it seems like a great idea. Um, again, it could save money. It could help with the staffing issues. Uh, without getting into the exact details of how it would work, it's tough to have an opinion on it. Um, but I think that it sounds like a great idea. Um, I don't know the exact number, but Councilman Russell has said it before. If you drive from Faulkner over to Lakewood, you're passing through like four or five or six different jurisdictions throughout there, which is kind of crazy. Um, if we could find a way to kind of turn that into one, save a little bit of money, share resources, um, it, I think that would be a, a better thing for all of the communities surrounding us, not just Jamestown. Um, and I think that could work out, but again, it's, it's tough to say without knowing exactly how it would work, how it would function, and who would go where, so. Ms. Weiner? take a crack hey, at it. Yeah, thank you. You know, again, uh, this is a, this is a tough question. I've I've been part of a merger process before overseeing the merger of two different not-for-profits and trying to uh, uh, merge two different organizations is incredibly challenging, right? As we're dealing with um, different cultures within different police departments and different uh, safety institutions, as well as some of the initiatives we have inside of Jamestown around community-led public safety, right? Because, you know, having police officers that live in the community which they serve, I think is incredibly important. But I do think there's a lot of uh, uh, benefits around shared resources and looking at ways in which we can collaborate across with shared resources. But you know, to have a full opinion, I'd have to look at the data and uh, see you know where are our shortfalls, what are our costs around this, and how can we either share or become uh, get into shared resources contracts or potential mergers if it makes sense for the community. Because I think it's really important to have community-based policing. Councilwoman Karuba, should we uh, pursue something like this? I think it should definitely be explored. When I look at what's happened when Bucky Phillips was here and the state police were involved, how much better would it have been to have a united police force, an effort that was run by one individual who was leading it versus several departments, all um, 
fighting over territory, so to speak. When I look at what's going on in Maine right now after that tragic shooting, they had to bring in police from outside the state because they didn't have enough policing. We're looking at a shortage of state police officers who don't want to take the exam and they're having trouble recruiting. I think regionalization, if it can benefit the whole community and better serve the public in terms of public safety, especially when these man huts occur outside your jurisdiction and, and fold on into other jurisdictions, we have to do better at trying to coordinate efforts. So I would be in favor of exploring this if it was possible. Councilwoman Brackman, your thoughts about regional policing? And I do, I agree, it's something that needs to be explored. I mean, we are such a close area. I mean, you do, you go from, I looked at this today when I was going to work, I'm on 2nd Street, and as soon as I go through that light at Tiffany, now I'm on Main Street in Falconer. So there, there's, we're interconnected as far as the, the locations, and there possibly could be some benefits to regionalizing um, policing <clears throat> just so that there's no barriers from crossing these lines as far as because um, sometimes they'll be like well you now have gone into another <clears throat> town and I can't cross that line but um, I think it's something that needs to be um, investigated to see if there's if there's anything to it, if it's going to be a benefit to the, the community. Mr. Reedy, your thoughts about regional policing? Again, I agree with everybody else. It needs to be looked into. But when we have a call, usually every department is available. Whatever car is available usually responds to assist with that call. I was at a public safety meeting the other night with Ms. Um, Rankin, and she invited Chair Catrone and Chief Jackson. And they said they were discussing that issue over time. They are looking into it. Is it something they need to do right now? Big concern with it is not a chief of police doesn't want to give up his command. Sheriff doesn't want to give up his command. So there's no quabble there, but it is a question of how are we going to do it? What resources are going to be the best for our community and best for our police officers and the safety of our police officers? Mr. Paternini, your thoughts? Um, not to piggyback off of anybody, but we do have a sheriff's academy located uh, within our own city. And I think properly recruiting candidates, as you said, there's a shortage of officers now as opposed to, I mean, it's, it's nationwide. Now you have to look at why is there a shortage? Is there a shortage because of the policies instituted in upper level government in Albany of the way they treat officers? Probably yes, in my opinion. However, Getting our regional police force in place with more officers on the streets, taking care of public safety issues, anything that needs to be done, all boots on the ground, I'm for it. All right, thank you. Terry, you actually get the next question too. All right. Number four. <laughs> oh, there we go. Yeah. You're all running for a two-year term, which is a relatively short, short period of time in politics. What would an immediate goal of yours be, and what would you like to do long-term? And we'll start with Ms. Weiner. Thank you. Um, I ran on this in 2017, and I will continue to run on this as housing. We need to make 
we need to dive in and take uh, Mayor Sundquist's Better Housing for All plan and put meat on the bones. What are our short-term solutions, our short-term wins when it comes to addressing our housing crisis in the city of Jamestown? Everything from blight to affordable housing to safety for domestic violence victims. These are the real issues because our neighborhoods, you know, people feeling safe in our neighborhoods and having affordable housing is what makes a city thrive. It is the soul of a city. So focusing on that short term and long term with incremental wins along the way so that we make progress towards having housing for everyone, housing that's safe for our youth, housing that people are proud of. Um, we have aging infrastructure and aging housing and it's not going anywhere and it's not getting any better. Um, so that was my vision in 2017. We're still grappling with those same issues and that would be primarily my focus. Councilwoman Karuba, any short-term, long-term goals? Um, I would, since the 19A program started with the prior administration to develop homes and prevent them from becoming demolitions, I would work and concert my efforts there to make sure that we are doing as much as we can to get people purchasing these homes and putting them back on the tax rolls. That would be the short term. The bigger goal is the Gateway Center. Um, this project houses the St. Susan Soup Kitchen, the Mental Health Association, the Community Helping Hands. There have been several iterations of attempts to provide additional housing, affordable housing in the community. And right now we don't have enough of it. This could address some of the issues of homelessness, especially women who are homeless. Um, and trying to house people who have issues that for one reason or another are not capable of being housed in other residences. This will take a major effort. We need investors and we need um, people to support this project or we will be looking at a very costly demolition if this project does not take hold. Councilwoman Brackman, your, your thoughts, uh, short-term goal, long-term? And I, I think everybody's um, touching on everything at the same time. It's not that, but um, absolutely housing. Um, we'll say the word again, quality of life, um, <clears throat> safety. Um, I think primarily I, I would like to see more development in the city of Jamestown, um, something that will bring the people back to Jamestown that will give them you know, we need something to do. Job opportunities, entertainment opportunities, whatever. We need things to do to James, in Jamestown. Too many times we take off and go to Erie to go to dinner. We need things to do here in Jamestown. So whatever type of development that we can um, create here in Jamestown would be um, wonderful. And then the other thing that I will say is we need better communication between city government and the residents so that they know what's available to them, how they can get assistance, and where they should go, so. Mr. Reedy, your thoughts about uh, short-term, long-term goals? Short-term, long-term goals is I'm new at this, so I'm willing to learn, willing to get involved, willing to be move whole forward headstrong. Uh, as everybody else says, there's a problem with housing there's a part, I love the, the value of life and you know what Virginia says and it's a lot. We need to really bring back to this community uh, leadership, better communication, better government. It's about the people. It's not about the city council. It's not about the government. It's not about you know city hall. The people that live here want to change and they want a miraculous change. They want to see something different. It's about the people and that's what it needs to go with. Very good. 
Mr. Paternini. Thank you. Uh, first and foremost, I think it has to start with the culture within the city, the confines of the city, and that starts at the upper level of government. Uh, until that gets addressed, a lot of these changes are just moot points. Uh, I've been fortunate enough to work in a private industry where the company and our local union have worked collaboratively in a co-management philosophy, which I was very involved in, facilitating meetings, getting the company and the workforce to work together. Those things in the short term, if elected, is what I would strive to uh, initiate or incorporate within the local city government, the departments that are in it, uh, the police and fire department, everybody working together has made our company a viable, sustainable, fantastic paying company in Western New York. Long term, uh, you know, your long term goals obviously have to be housing in this city. Uh, you can't address housing until you address interest rates. You can't address housing until you uh, adapt a better policy uh, from upper government. Councilman Faulkner, long-term, short-term goals. Uh, I think short-term goal, it's kind of what I've been doing. I got involved in politics because I want to help people. Um, if somebody has an issue in their neighborhood or an issue with the city and they don't know who to contact, um, they can reach out and I can either help them or direct them of who to get a hold of. Um, just last week, a family on Barrow Street called me. They had a tree that was going to be a problem. It was on the neighbor's yard. They didn't know what to do. It was going to fall down. I went down, I looked at it, and it was tangled in the power lines. So I um, you know, got in contact with the BPU, and two days later, the BPU came and trimmed all of the trees on the street, and they're happy as they could be. And that uh, makes me happy because that's what I want to do, is I want to be that person that can help people. Um, as far as the long-term goal, I think we need to continue to support the DOD and the um, changes that they're working on with housing. Um, this year's budget has some money in it for demolitions, which I think is great. It's uh, definitely needed. Um, a little disappointed because we allocated some ARPA money to the land bank for demos, and they're going to take a pretty decent chunk of that in administration fees. And I brought up the point, you know, why don't we do this in-house? Why can't the DOD do this? And we, I was told, you know, less than a year ago, they're too busy. But here we are now allocating that money, and I think we should have done more sooner. Thank, Thank you. you. This will be our last question, uh, and this question is, do you believe it's ethical for city employees to be awarded grants or loans administered by the city and explain why? And we will start with Councilmember Karupa. That's a difficult question, but as I've served on many boards, um, along with JCC, I've been a social security representative and advocate and had to pass um, alcohol, tobacco, and fitness uh, um, interview to be part of that to um, gain access to client files and information. And each one of these boards I've had to sign an ethics um, statement and I had to list every potential family member who did any business with any entity involved with that organization. I feel that it should not be done. I feel it's inappropriate, um, and I understand while they are also city employees and they live in the city, it's very difficult to tell the public that people who are providing the programs are also utilizing the funds in instances where they are being left out. So I would not support that program being done that way. It should be administered by an outside entity. Thank you. Councilmember Brackman, the question again, which is, which, do you believe it's ethical for city employees to be awarded grants or loans administered by the city? And explain your answer. Yeah, this, this is a, uh, a tricky, difficult situation. Um, at the same time, they're residents of the cities and they should be, you know, allowed to. 
um, apply for some of the grants. Um, I, I would think that if they were actually the one that was actually approving the grants, then no, I don't. But I, I guess I, I, I'm kind of, I think it would be like a situational type thing, but I can understand them being included, just not in the fact that they are a resident of the city and they pay taxes. You know, it's no different than me, you know. Um, if I need a new sidewalk, I would maybe try to get some funding. But I, I understand, um, I understand the sensitivity of it, and I, I really would think it would be a situation by situation situation. Thank you, Mr. Reedy. Um, how do you feel about whether or not city employees should be awarded grants or loans administered by the city? Well, like everybody else says, it's a hard subject to talk about. I don't agree with it. I don't think that if you're in city government, you should be, like Regina said, you're still a taxpayer, you're a city resident, but you're at that level where you know the ins and outs. You know what is, can be folded over, what can be hidden, what can be writ written in a different way. Shouldn't be allowed to do anything with that. If you're a citizen of the community, that's understandable. But if you're in that city government, you know too much about the ins and outs and what you can you know, hide and what you can't hide and how things are run. And being new at it, I'm kind of unfamiliar with the situation. So that's what I say. I don't think that they should be eligible for it. Thank you. Mr. Padaniti, uh, do you think it's ethical for city employees to be awarded grants or loans administered by the city? And explain your answer. Well, I'll be the, wo the lone wolf in this one because I believe they should be uh, allowed to access those funds. Uh, specifically if they don't gain anything financially from it other than the improvement or whatever they're gaining from uh, the granting. Um, everybody has the opportunity to do and to apply for it. They're no different. Um, they deserve the opportunity and, and I commend them for, for wanting to do that. And to, to segue off of that, you know, here we are talking about people and trying to build homes if I was a city employee and I was refused a grant because I was a city employee, I'd be looking elsewhere to live because it's discriminatory, in my opinion. Okay. Councilmember Faulkner, um, what is your opinion on if it's ethical for city employees to be awarded grants or loans administered by the city? Yeah, like everybody said, that's kind of a tough question. Um, I think there's definitely some gray areas in there it's almost a matter of discretion if you've got you know a policeman or a fireman that works in the police department or fire department and they apply for the grant that's not as um you know the optics on that aren't as bad as somebody that works in the actual department that is um taking the applications going through the applications approving the applications uh somebody in that department applying definitely gives it a little bit of a bad look in my opinion um, and I've had some people reach out to me today after it was in the paper this morning just asking what was going on they said they didn't know anything about the grant which it was on Facebook it was in the paper it was on the radio so it's kind of on them um, but these people in the departments that are actually um, you know overseeing the grants they have kind of the inside scoop a little bit and like uh, Joe or Reedy said they know how to word things how to what to put down um, so just it gives it it might be legal as the paper said but the ethics on it are kind of questionable in some instances so I don't think there's like really a blanket policy that you could say oh it's bad for every city employee but there are definitely some spots where it's maybe a little worse than other spots or shouldn't be allowed okay. so thank you 
Ms. Weiner, um, what would uh, your belief on if it's ethical for city employees to be awarded grants or loans administered by the city? So I think that this is the two-pronged approach. Number one, as a city, we need to make a policy around this that is fair for city employees and for those that are applying for these grants. I am a policy person and I want to make sure that everyone follows by everyone everyone is applying and following the same rules. With that said, city employees are investing in Jamestown. These are matching grants. These are matching funds. We need transparency around that. And in every single instance of when this has happened, there has been transparency around that. They've recused themselves from votes. So, you know, I think they're investing in Jamestown. These are people, these are taxpayers. These are people who have worked for the city and we need clear policy around that first. But then we need to follow that policy and make sure that it applies to everyone so that everyone's on equal footing when they're applying for these grants that are administrated by the city. Okay. Thank you. We'll now be move to closing statements. Candidates will have up to 60 seconds for their remarks. And we will begin with Councilmember Brackman. All righty. Um, I've heard this a lot today. If elected, whether you're elected or not, <clears throat> there's still opportunities for citizens to um, get involved in um, you know the city government so I, I do in, encourage that but um, as a lifelong resident of Jamestown I want to see the city flourish I want to see new opportunities come um, for the residents of Jamestown I want them to be proud to live here um, I would just say that we have a lot of work to do, and as a council member, I'm willing to do the work that is necessary to get us to the next stage. We just need everybody to work together. One thing that I kind of think that we need is that the fact that we need a council that is sensitive to the diverse community that we live here in the city of Jamestown. Thank you. Mr. Reedy, you have 60 seconds for your closing remarks. Well, again, I want to thank everybody for showing up tonight, welcome, having us here. To, uh, I've lived here for over 30 years in the city. I love Jamestown. I own a business here. Have I thought about moving out of my business numerous times? I've thought about it. Then I'm like, where am I going to go? Problems are everywhere. Same problems in Jamestown and the same problems in Buffalo, same problems in other states. I love Jamestown. I love the community I live in. Uh, as I said earlier, being a veteran, serving my country, I want to serve this community. I want to be the community's voice. I don't want to, people to just sit back and say, well, nothing's going to get changed this year. We've called for, you know, nobody's called us back. I want to be able to communicate with my people. I want to be able to communicate with my community, not only my ward, my city. I reached out to the BPU and the DPW a couple weeks ago about a gentleman that just was a customer that needed a streetlight because his car was being broken into. BPU, I believe, is going to get him a streetlight in front of his house. Mm -hmm. It's just things that need to be taken care of, the better leadership, better communication, and it's about, as I said earlier, it's about the people. Okay. Thank you. Mr. Paternitti, you have 60 seconds for your closing remark. Thank you. Um, collaboratively, the local city government as well as the county need to work closer together as one. Uh, the North County has, over the last several years brought in continuous new businesses industry well-paying jobs whether the jobs are in jamestown or not or falconer or the outlying areas we need those jobs those jobs supply wealth they supply 
funding for housing, they supply downtown revitalization, they supply a tax base because in, in turn a lot of those people are going to buy the homes in Jamestown, New York. So I, I think it would be a great effort for all the local governments to work collectively for the betterment of our overall community. Thank you. Council Member Faulkner, you have 60 seconds for your closing remarks. Thank you. I came here today before everybody, not just as a candidate seeking re-election, but as an advocate for the future. <clears throat> Over the past two years, I've witnessed the power of determination within our community. Together, we have achieved remarkable milestones from vital infrastructure improvements to enhanced public safety measures. My commitment to this city runs deep. I believe in a Jamestown where opportunities are endless, every citizen thrives, and where our dreams find a place to flourish. Beyond the accomplishments of yesterday are the promises of tomorrow. I'm here because I see the untapped potential of our city. I see entrepreneurs eager to innovate, families striving for a better life, and the youth they're aspiring to lead in the future. My re-election bid isn't just a nod to the past, but a pledge to the future. I extend my thanks to everybody for the continued support, and it's not just a vote, it's an endorsement of our shared vision. With your trust, your support, and our collective determination, I'm confident that we can shape a future that generations can look back upon and admire. Thank you, Jamestown, for believing in the power of shared dreams. Together, let's make this city the best that it can be. Thank you. Ms. Weiner, you have 60 seconds for your final remarks. Thank you. Our city is a tapestry of diverse voices, perspectives, and experiences, and that diversity makes us stronger. And as a, as a community member and hopefully your representative in Ward 6, my goal is to help amplify those voices I believe I'm the right candidate for the job. I bring a diverse background, a passion for, for, for public service, running for city council before, uh, working in the non-for-profit sector for over 10 years, and a commitment to this community um, is you know, why I moved back here, why I'm running for city council. I have a history of working collaboratively and strategically with others to find solutions to complex problems. I'm a listener. I have worked on strategic plans nationally and locally to you know, work on you know, how do we build something for the future? How do we come together as a community with, 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 with positive hearts and with open minds and come together to find solutions for the, for the problems that we have? My vision is one of inclusivity, economic growth, safety, better housing for all, and environmental sustainability. Thank you. Councilmember Kareva, you have 60 seconds for your closing remarks. Thank you. As someone who chose to live here who wasn't born here, my husband of 40 years and I have raised two sons. I think Jamestown is a hidden gem. I think people who were born and raised here and never left here have no idea how wonderful a city it is. I will continue to work if re-elected to sustain a fiscally responsible budget, continue to strive for infrastructure improvements throughout the city, especially in the fourth ward, continue to provide funding for home improvements for all residents, and most of all, work toward quality of life issues that affect everyone and make this community better when we can all respect our neighbors and respect everyone else's rights to live here and enjoy it peacefully. Um, if re-elected, I will continue to work on your issues to get them heard and supported and continue to advocate as your fourth ward representative. Thank you. 
thank you to all of our candidates for participating in this forum tonight. Also, thank you to our audience, whether in person or online. You will be able to hear this presentation online at WRFALP.com, as well as view it on YouTube.com slash WRFA Radio, and hear rebroadcast it on the radio as well. On behalf of our media partners, Terry Frank and the Post Journal, as well as Cranky Plate Productions, Joe Futrell, Zach Stallsmith, Abby Monahan, and Ruby Schneider, as well as the entire Regland A team, thank you for being with us, and good night.